So how does one ascend to the goddess then, if that is the next stage? Sorry. Yeah, I think what happens is a woman gets to a particular place and realizes there's a whole other aspect of myself. I really see it as a sacred journey mm -hmm. to explore, okay, those different aspects of myself that I cut off. What comes up usually are a lot of feelings, yeah. a lot of anger, particularly if they are from a family where the feminine was abused. It usually happens in midlife. Um, yeah. And there's this sense of time. There is no time. Time becomes mm -hmm. endless. There's no morning, noon, or night. There's mm -hmm. just this stage of uh, really having to sit with yeah. the parts of self that have been disowned or dis discarded. Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 192, I'm joined by Maureen Murdoch. Maureen is an author, an educator, and a photographer. Maureen combines her interests in the mysterious workings of the psyche with a study of mythology and a love of storytelling and memoir writing. She helps people explore meaning in their lives through the excavation of their memories in lectures and workshops throughout the United States. Maureen is the author of seven books, including The Heroine's Journey. I've been fortunate to be in the corner of many, many women over the last five years here at Always Better Than Yesterday, and there's something about the way in which the world works that is not entirely serving of their souls and of their spirit, and I think the great work that Maureen has brought into the world provides some great context for a woman to go on that journey, the heroine's journey, and in some way bring her closer to herself, her body, her soul and her spirit. So I hope that this next 45 minutes of conversation inspires you, your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, and to take the next step along your heroine's journey. Please do share this episode with another heroine you'd like to inspire. Here we go, episode 192 with Maureen Murdoch. Maureen, welcome to the Always Best in Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm good, Ryan. It's good to see you. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. There is so much wisdom that I'm going to try and download from you in the next 45 minutes for for personal benefit and hopefully for the, <laughs> the benefit of many people that listen. But it's been 30 years since one of your most famous creations. What has it been 30 years since the publication of? Oh, uh, The Heroine's Journey. Uh, the Heroine's Journey came out in 1990 and... Um, it, it's had quite a ride for itself. It's right now in 17 languages. Uh, the last uh, copy I got was the Czech copy of the heroine's journey. And um, when it first came out, I heard from women all over the world. It was, it was very exciting. It, it touched a nerve at the time that it came out in 90. And and it's just had this wonderful life of its own. Mm. Um, in 90, I think it was 98, Shambhala asked me to do 
a workbook. So the Heroine's Journey workbook came out then so that women could go through the stages of the heroine's journey, mm -hmm. either by themselves or most likely in small groups. Um, and that's what happened. Women started to take the exercises mm -hmm. in that book and go through all the stages of the heroine's journey. Mm, but I've been, I've been most um, gratified by the fact that uh, it's even in Farsi. I mean, to think about uh, the women in Iran being able to yeah. read it, I understand that it's heavily redacted, but at least mm -hmm. they get some sense of a mm -hmm. heroic journey for women. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, so much of society, so much of culture is just shaped by these masculine values and ideologies. And one of the things that I really like about the the heroine's journey is that it doesn't take a pop at the hero's journey. It doesn't take the book and go, here's everything wrong with that. Here's why you're wrong. Here's why I'm right. But it's it's a complimentary um journey to to with which to set context and understanding it's very I, I like the way you've done that and, and and i guess take take me back to that meeting with joseph campbell the author of the hero's journey how did that conversation go with him well um i knew him uh because he would come out from new york to do workshops uh, for what was then called the Human Relations Institute. And he's a lovely man, um, a real gentleman and a brilliant scholar and a brilliant teacher. And so I had taken the monomyth or the diagram that he created from gathering myths from all over the world. Um, uh, I had taken that and had been working with that as a teacher at UCLA in the writer's program. We were using the monomyth or the diagram of the hero's journey. And also in therapy groups, I was using it with both men and women um, in a 10 uh, month uh, workshop using all of the stages of Campbell's Hero's mm. Journey. And the more I did that, um, I'm a psychotherapist, so mm -hmm. I was really looking at it through that lens. The more I did that, the, the less, I just felt like something was missing for mm. women and mm. what was clear in uh, doing those workshops is that women were deeply wounded mm. um, in their feminine nature and that's what needed to be healed. So when I went back from Los Angeles to New York to show uh, Mr. Campbell my particular diagram or monomyth, whatever you wanna call mm -hmm. it, he said to me, Maureen, um, women don't need to make the journey. They're the place that everyone is trying to get to. And I think what he meant mythologically, the feminine is the place that everyone is trying to get to in terms of spirit, mm -hmm. um, spirituality. 
Uh, but I said, well, that's not my experience because uh, women of my generation had just gotten out into the work world and yeah. were doing the hero's journey and it was wounding. And um, so his response really inspired me to finish the book um, because uh, I realized he couldn't really understand what our journey is and yeah. was. Um, he was in his 80s. Yeah. He was married to Gene Erdman, this extraordinary dancer. Mm -hmm. He had his muse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't have mm -hmm. a muse. So, um, but uh, no, I never wanted to say, you know, the women's journey is one way um, in in relationship to his, I uh, had enormous respect for him. And yeah. so that's, that's how the book emerged. It took me eight years to write the book yeah. because it really came out of the experiences of the women I was working with both as writers and also as um, patients in my therapy practice. Mm, I uh, I read something in your book. It says that it was inspired through your back, and uh, was was that a a manifestation of your own stress? I understand you had a back injury. Was that your own kind of separation from the feminine that was manifesting? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. Um, what had happened was I was in training at the uh, LA Family Institute, and we were doing an exercise and in that exercise we were enacting a particular scene in our family of origin and I was bending over backwards to um, keep yeah. the peace in the family and my back went out and I realized at that point how separated I was from my own back I mean my own body and uh, that really is the first stage of mm -hmm. the heroine's journey, the separation from the feminine. However you define the feminine for yourself, it, mm -hmm. for me, um, it really was my physical body. But the feminine for a lot of women is their creativity, mm -hmm. um, their intuition, um, so so many different things and uh, it has a lot to do with the relationship with the mother mm -hmm. if uh, a woman has seen her mother as passive or angry or unrelatable oftentimes there is this separation from the feminine and I, and an idealization of mm -hmm. the masculine and I wrote the book from the perspective of a father's daughter, mm -hmm. uh, which means that women, um, it, not necessarily having to identify with their own father, but yeah. um, who have idealized the masculine uh, in an effort to fit in, yeah. uh, in an effort to get ahead. And, um, mm. you know, you mentioned um, before we started mm -hmm. the podcast about having a seven-year-old daughter, which is yep. 
so wonderful that you have the opportunity to support this budding feminine uh, into adulthood and to recognize her unique qualities and affirm them. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I just wanted to let you know on the 24th of October, I will be welcoming 12 men to the Always Better Than Yesterday Good Fathers program. It is six weeks of online journeying with 12 good men. I really believe that if I can help good men become even better men, then better men will make better dads. It's been 10 years since I became a father and it has been the most fulfilling journey, but full of challenges and obstacles that I probably was under-equipped for. I didn't feel prepared for the sacrifice, the tiredness, the impact on our health, let alone what it means to be a good husband and a good teammate um, as we try and journey in becoming the best dad possible. These children don't come with guides and it just for me I felt like I whilst I wanted to be the best dad I could possibly be I definitely felt a sense of winging it and it doesn't seem to be conversations that men seem to have uh, about what it means to be a dad so I've set up good fathers the first program that I'm offering dedicated specifically to men good men who want to become even better dads come and join us we're starting on the 24th of october use the link in the show notes to come and read more about it but first and foremost this will be a safe space for men to explore their purpose as a father it's going to contain a combination of coaching learning conversation and reflection each week we'll follow a semi-structured topic of conversation i'll support you with resources and prompts designed to facilitate a powerful transformative experience you will not only learn from me but from each other and shared experiences i do not have all the answers but i will hope to create an environment and a space for you and and, and a, other good men to reflect and to create much more of an intentional style of parenting that will help you leave that legacy by becoming the best possible dad that you can be. If you know a good man that would benefit from this container, this time and space, please do share them the show notes. It's www.abty.co.uk forward slash good hyphen fathers. That's good fathers on our website. Here we go back to the conversation. She's certainly got some unique qualities, I can assure you that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure she yes. has a very creative father. So she gets to see that, you know, that that is something she might aspire to in the world. What might be some of the reasons that she and many others will um, disconnect from the feminine? Well, um, as I mentioned before, if there is a negative um, relationship with the mother. And also just looking at the images of the feminine in our culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, there's so many ways to disconnect the whole idea of um, can I have autonomy of my own body? Um, and yeah. can I have equality in the work world? Um, you know, we, we've been fighting for that in the second wave mm -hmm. of feminism 
since the early 70s and we still don't have equality yeah it's it's really interesting and you know some of the things that you pick out within your book reveal the big responsibility society places on the mother for the raising of children and yet the complete disregard disrespect and the lack of value that's placed you know a lot of the comments will, will come about the father's success the father's achievements the father you know uh, so it, it's almost like a double whammy they're, they're ultra responsible and yet get no none of none of the reward and and, and i guess that leads to a lot of uh i, I guess to adopt frustration that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and particularly um mothers of the women of my generation yeah these were the women after the second world war who had yeah. gone out during the second world war and had jobs the mm. men come home from the second world war they all have to go home they lose that sense of autonomy and empowerment and um in the you know the late 50s 60s early 70s yeah. they had no choice yeah. about child rearing yeah. or child bearing so it was a whole different situation than it is for mm -hmm. my generation and generations that come after who yeah. have who until until the recent dad's decision um have had choice whether to carry a child full term so to go back to what you were saying you know they had a sense of empowerment they come home um it's all their responsibility and no kudos and they yeah. certainly don't get paid so we've got a daughter that looks up to the father, wants to be, you know, go out into the world, find some form of success, academia, achievement. And then in doing so, in obtaining that, goes back to mum saying, hey, look how much I've done and achieved. And the mother's like, I, I'm not impressed by that. So, mm -hmm. so it's like a full circle because the mother then doesn't, you know, validate that stuff, further reinforcing the, the separation between mother and daughter well uh, uh, maybe doesn't validate but maybe is angry and envious sure. yeah mm. so i'm not saying at all that all mothers are like yeah. that but i'm saying when i wrote this book 30 years ago it was a different historical and cultural point mm. so i think you know, things have changed to a large degree, but women still make, at least in the United States, 21 cents less per yeah. dollar than men do. So there's still this attitude that the feminine is less than. Mm -hmm. And um, that's actually one of the things I was looking at in the road of trials was, you know, what are the myths that we live with we have yeah. the the myth of dependency we have the myth of inferiority we have the myth of romantic love mm -hmm. that are cultural myths that we still feel yes um, whether thank we're I, I think we're not aware of them at all yeah thank you um, disney <laughs> i'm sorry thank you disney yeah well exactly exactly thank you for mentioning that <laughs> yeah
yeah, because you know those images of those princesses, shall we say, uh, filter into a, a perception of what it means to be feminine, and 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 I guess along comes that with it being weak, too emotional, or, or whatever that that might be. Right. Yeah. How does your daughter relate to? Uh, well, this is really this. interesting. Really interesting because a lot of the modern Disney. Um, they, 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 their lead female characters like Kimawana's, they're strong, they're brave, they're courageous, and they'll see how far they'll go. Yeah. So my daughter from a very young age has, has, has had a very different female cast lead to what would have been there 30, 40 years ago. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you asked before about the uh, separation from the feminine. Mm-hmm. Just think of all the fairy tales. You know, the, the mother is the evil stepmother sure. or she's dead. Yeah. Um, I mean, wh- what did we have to identify? Right. Could be evil or dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, slim pickings. Um, it's, it's really interesting. So for context of the, of the journey for our listeners, we've got the start of the journey is the separation from the feminine and then there's becomes this identification with with the masculine. You've then just touched on on the the um, road of trials, and I think sometimes when then we can go out into the world, the 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 woman, the feminine, can find success. Yeah, and that that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing, right? Um. I wouldn't call it a bad thing. I I would say that mm-hmm. what what really happened um, thirty years ago uh, was that there was no balance, um, mm-hmm. work life balance, mm-hmm. and um, I would get letters from women who were working in the IT field um, saying that nothing feminine or relational was alive and mm-hmm. present in uh, the IT field. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's, I'd love to read one tiny piece if I can find it quickly from uh, a woman uh, who worked in there. She said, women who join a high tech company enter a very masculine model the Silicon Valley environment in which uh, environment is one in which competition is fierce and the survivors are those in whom the male fighter is strong and intact. Mm -hmm. Feelings of compassion, understanding, support are dangerous to one's career. Mm -hmm. Thus, I believe males in this model reject their own female nature and of course, reject mm. anyone who reminds them of it. In retrospect, mm. I find that I and the women who worked, that I worked with slowly lost touch with our inner strength as if hypnotized. Mm. I think that says it. Um, and of course, that's not true of, of all fields, but mm. it was, something that uh, many women were describing at that time. Mm. And so then the next stage in the journey is finding the boon of success, whatever Mm. that goal is, was, but then starting to awaken to 
feelings of what I called spiritual aridity and death, you know, really feeling cut off from the body, from emotions, um, from their creativity. And so many women would talk about um, my river of creativity has dried up. Um, and it's interesting that this woman who wrote that letter talked about operating as if she's hypnotized. Right. Really powerful. And and just to clarify what I meant by sometimes it could be not a good thing, uh, that's obviously subjective, but they, they can it can lead to we can achieve all the things and yet still feel a sense of emptiness and dissatisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Because I think, and I, you know, you can respond to this and tell me I'm wrong, but I think that women have a much harder time feeling a sense of satisfaction, feeling a sense of, okay, I did that. You know, that's great. I think that um, we need to really uh, reinforce for women that they've done enough. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to do more yeah. to prove their worth. Well, many of the amazing women that I'm in, fortunate enough to be in the corner of, the, the, the challenge is that they are so good at the doing that they need to be reminded to do the being. And yeah. it's so much of the doing, it's so that they can become someone yeah. Actually, when they get to that point of achieving that thing, they're so used to doing that they've forgotten that they've actually become the person they wanted to be anyway. So it's a complete, I, I guess, what it's the detachment. It's the detachment from mind, body, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and emotions. Yeah. 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 yeah abso- absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you know, very, very incredible women, very, very gifted, skillful, talented, have achieved wonderful things. And yet still there's a, an unsettled spirit in the present. Yeah, there's, a, there's always looking for more closure. Sure. Yeah. I thought I would feel. Yes. Quote, yeah. I thought yeah. I'd feel X, Y, and Z. Right. And why aren't I? Is it my problem? Mm. See, I think it's a cultural problem. And I think it's one probably of the masculine as well. But uh, I think, you know, we haven't moved as a culture to say to women, you know, you're enough. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah. And we can go down the rabbit hole of the agenda of marketing, of the purpose of cultures, because unfortunately, you know, we're, we're led by lack. Everything, yeah. everything attacks lack. Why? Because that, that creates a need to buy a product. Right. If right. we if we come to the if we come to the world like the goddess and we're we are one and we have all that we need, we can't be sold to. We don't make a company of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So how so does one next, yeah, so how does one ascend to the goddess then if that is the next stage? Sorry. Yeah, I think what happens is uh a woman gets to a particular place and realizes there's a whole other aspect of myself mm. that I have not explored. Um, and oftentimes it really comes with a break, um, meaning yeah. they decide you know, to <laughs> stop doing whatever job they're doing 
or um, they have a, a, a real dissent. Yep. And I don't like to call it a depression because mm -hmm. I really see it as a sacred journey mm -hmm. to explore, okay, those different aspects of myself that I cut off mm -hmm. in the beginning of my journey to achieve in a masculine world. So what comes up usually are a lot of feelings, yeah. a lot of anger, particularly if they are from a family where the feminine was abused. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it usually happens in midlife. Um, yeah. And there's this sense of uh, time. There is no time. Time becomes mm -hmm. endless. There's no morning, noon, or night. There's mm -hmm. just this stage of uh, really having to sit with yeah. the parts of self that have been disowned or dis discarded. Does, and this, does I, this process have to be self-initiated or can the universe say, hey, it's time for that break? Like, oh, very good question. <laughs> it's, uh, the universe absolutely um, is partnering with, yeah. with the woman at that time. Mm -hmm. um, I remember uh, doing a, a lecture uh, in some university and I started to talk about this. This woman raised her hand in the back and she said, that's where I am. That's where <laughs> I am in my journey. Yeah. She said, I'm the owner of a business. And one day I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself anymore. Yeah. And yeah. so she said, I went home and yeah. I sat in my room for a month and my family was really upset, but mm. she said, I needed to re, really become reacquainted with myself. Yeah. Um, so I called that uh, stage in, in the book, um, a, a time of voluntary isolation, mm. Mm. Uh, really meaning having time to be with oneself. And out of that, for a lot of women becomes this sense of connection to their feminine spirituality. And a lot of women, particularly in the 70s and 80s, and now started to do research on ancient goddesses. Mm, I um, I heard something recently when it, when it came to a, a... Uh, a pastor talking about a christian faith that says when you find love for self when you find love within you find god because god is love and i guess is is that the same then thing for a for a woman when she finds that time with self when she goes into that exploration of self does she come face to face with the goddess yeah i i absolutely think so mm. um and there's so many different aspects of the goddess to come face to face mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. But one of the two of the ones that I write about in the book are the Demeter Persephone myth, the really healing of that separation of the, the feminine from the mother. Mm -hmm. And then also the Sumerian Inanna Erishkegel myth, um, looking at the descent and then the ascent and with the ascent coming back honoring just those aspects of self that yeah. one chooses 
yeah. instead of being driven by the yeah. one of the things you said is to have the perseverance not to rise to the light too soon right what does yeah, that mean because it's uncomfortable down mm. there in mm. the descent mm -hmm. you know and we want the quick fix whether it's food yeah. or sex or money yeah. or yeah. the next job it's like oh you know this is too <laughs> uncomfortable let's move on that's it i'm healed oh, time to go <laughs> thank you universe <laughs> yeah i only love myself a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah that's um that's really powerful and i think one of the things is you know this this step here if you find yourself in this step just know that there's like you're already seven steps in <laughs> right, right you're all, this isn't the beginning this is already seven steps in yeah and i think that's one of the um positive things of the map or the diagram that we realize okay we've gone through half of the stages and the, and there is light at the end of the yeah. tunnel and one thing i want to say about the hermit's journey is something that we take over and over and over sure. again it's never finished yes um you know that's the big difference between a feminine spirituality and a masculine spirituality mm -hmm. the feminine the old goddess myths were all about eternal return whereas yeah. the masculine myths are about the quest that sure. at the end that there's a boon you know and i mm -hmm. go home and everyone applauds well it's not like that you know we keep going through different aspects of this journey throughout our whole life i love that because it makes me think rather than a circle but a spiral of ascension exactly because, because the final step is when we integrate right and when we integrate the masculine and the feminine that always then leaves space for new levels of consciousness and how exactly. do we then start to integrate new levels of consciousness both within the masculine and the feminine right yeah yeah and the partnership mm. yeah. just to pick up where we got to then in terms of the ascension um, uh, the initiation and ascent to the goddess um you talk about an urgent yearning to reconnect with the feminine what is uh, i think you touched on it at the very start what is the essence of the feminine oh i think um many different aspects I think about, certainly caretaking, certainly preservation, yeah. um, certainly curiosity, certainly creativity, yeah. um, a, a, a sense of, of empowerment um, that, that is different than a masculine sense of mm. achievement. So, and I would also say compassion, but I guess the core, you're asking for the core, and I think it's relational, mm. you know, it's relational re to self, relation yeah. to others, relation to nature, um, relation to spirituality. And it sounds like the world of business and leadership could do with this more now than ever. I, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with Dr. Bruce Lipton. And one of the things that um, Bruce talks about in Spontaneous Evolution is that he says that the future of leadership is mammalian and the, uh -huh. the, and, the, and the characteristics of a mammal is one of nurturing. Yeah. And yeah. so we've, we've already got 
an essence of creativity within kind of modern you know design in leadership but absolutely i think the world needs that that feminine nurturing um that spirit soon very very soon if not now which is yeah. effectively a lot of what i i represent you know in in terms of being heart-centered and 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 i i want the the men that are listening to also realize that you know the masculinity at, it, at its most sacred and, and 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 divine is is one of purpose and provision and love right. and, and service and sacrifice you know if if any if any woman out there has been wronged by a man using abusing his power that that was never masculinity that was never right. pure form masculinity what what do you perceive about what i've just said oh well the archetype of the masculine is protection and preservation mm. so um uh, i think a lot of men in the past yeah. have felt like well i went out to work and i made a living and that's enough mm. um they forgot about what needed to be done in the home sure. to protect and preserve. Yeah. So, um, mm. I think men of your generation um, are, are really modeling a new masculine. Um, one of the stages that I get to in the heroine's journey is the healing the wounded masculine, um, yes. which I think has a lot to do for women identifying the wounded masculine in oneself mm. and uh, healing that. And what I meant by that is, you know, if I think for myself, what what is a wounded aspect of my own masculine, I mm. would call it the driver, the driver right. that never lets me stop. There's a positive aspect of that because yeah. of discipline. Um, I'm very disciplined. Mm -hmm. But the driver really in, in my history has caused um, me not to pay attention to my body and mm -hmm. then to have physical and emotional breaks going yes. back to the descent. So, so how did you, you know, then heal that wounded element? How did you heal that? How do you heal it? First yeah. of all, identifying it. Yeah. I mean, really and noticing what projection we do onto the men in our lives. Yeah. Um, and uh, looking at that and saying, oh, is that really him or is that me? Um, mm -hmm. And then starting to acknowledge the very positive aspects of the masculine. One of the ones I really have given a lot of thought to is backing oneself up i think the masculine mm -hmm. is very very good at that yeah. um and and discerning you know whether okay is this is this is this soul based or not is this heart based or not mm. um but going back to the archetype of really looking at protection and preservation. What does integration look like, sound like, feel like? <laughs> it's a balance of masculine and feminine. And I do want to read you something about that. I found a quote 
in um, Dine Bahana, which is uh, the, a book about the Navajo creation myth. Mm -hmm. So do you mind if I read that? Yes, please. Yeah, I think this is a perfect uh, description or, or myth about integration. So in terms of integration, the current problems are not solved. Uh, th this is not, not from Diné Bahana, this is from me. The conflicts remain, but one's suffering, as long as one does not evade it, will lead to a new life. Mm -hmm. So in developing a new feminine consciousness, we have to have an equally strong masculine consciousness mm -hmm. or else we can't get our voice out into the world. And um, uh, the Navajo creation myth, changing woman speaks to her consort, the sun. She says, remember as different as we are, you and I, we are of one spirit. As dissimilar as we are, you and I, we are of equal worth. As unlike as you and I are, there must always be solidarity between the two of us. Unlike each other as you and I are, there can be no harmony in the universe as long as there is no harmony between us. Mm. If there is to be such harmony, my requests must matter to you. My needs are as important to me as yours are to you. My whims count as much as yours do. Mm. My fidelity to you is measured by your loyalty to me. My response to your needs is to reflect the way you respond to mine. There is to be nothing more coming from me to you than there is from you to me. There is to be nothing less. I think that's just such a, a heartful way of talking about the integration of the masculine and feminine, that there, there must be equality to some degree and completion to some degree and respect so that's mm. the way okay. I see it. I'm really grateful for you sharing that. I tell you, I just want to play back some things that came to me whilst you were speaking. One is that if there are winners, there are losers. You know, there's that if if one seeks to push forward their own needs or agenda first, then it byproduct creates a loser, and that there's right. no space. There's no space for that, both internally. But the other thing that came to me was the experience exponential if we take you know a, 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 an individual level we have that inner harmony that that balance and then we have relationships then we have communities civilizations it's that the, the it's all relevant yes yeah yeah such yeah. a huge implication for how we behave and treat each other right right yeah, and when we were talking about the mother before, if you think about the Latin mater, mm -hmm. um, its relationship to matter, to the earth, that um, we need to heal.
someone said to me earlier today in a conversation about the the healing um the healing that's provided by nature and earth what does what does that really mean then mother earth mother nature in terms of how do you interpret that latin um i used to be an ocean swimmer mm -hmm. and um i would imagine being held um in yeah. the by the the great mother mm -hmm. as i was uh swimming and uh being with the waves mm -hmm. uh that was extraordinarily healing for me yeah. um yeah. And I think about the image of um, whales giving birth. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know whether you know that uh, they have, in a sense, handmaidens that other female whales hold them in the water as they're giving birth. Wow. It's this extraordinary image of, of being held and being supported as as one um, is in union with creation. Mm. So, um, but another thing that I think of with your question, I used to lead vision quests for women mm -hmm. where we would be out in the wilderness for seven days on solos and really listening to mother nature. Um, you know, what do the birds want to say? What do the, mm. the breeze want to say? Uh, what does the rain want to say? Yeah. So it's really being in meditation with nature. She's always speaking. It's just whether we've developed the capacity to listen. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're very brave because that West Coast water is pretty chilly, right? <laughs> it is chilly. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I came to LA once thinking, you know, I was on my honeymoon with, with my wife and I was thinking about this image, you know, surfing on the West coast. We went out to Malibu and I, it was, fr I was not expecting it to be so cold. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you have a heart uh, for memoirists and uh, you're working on a, a book at the moment. I understand called memoirists are contemporary myth makers. What's really capturing your heart and your mind about being a contemporary myth maker? Hmm. What a great question. Um, <clears throat> I've taught memoir writing for a long time, <clears throat> excuse me, since the early 90s. And so I've read a lot of memoirs, both students and published memoirs. And what I started to notice um, is uh, certain themes uh, and they are archetypal themes mm -hmm. um, or they, really speak to the domains of myth, which are, who am I? Uh, what's my tribe or what's my family? Mm. What's my journey and what's my purpose? Mm. Um, and so the more I have thought about that, um, I really wanted to find myths or at least mythic themes that are reflected in contemporary memoirs because i think the memoir has become huge since 94 basically since mm -hmm. um angela's ashes and also the the liars club it's like everyone decided oh 
I have a story to tell as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think what touches my heart to answer your question is that people are telling their stories and reflecting on them and starting to see the different patterns throughout their lives and making peace with those patterns mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, as they identify them. So um, in the book, I'm, I, my chapters are, who am I? What's mm -hmm. my tribe? What's my journey? What's my purpose? But also I'm looking at home. Yeah. I'm looking at exile. I'm looking at wounding. And I'm looking at spirituality and mm -hmm. how those ancient myths are reflected in current myth, uh, memoirs. Mm, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. I want to pick up on the word home. What is your exploration around the term home? <laughs> what is home? Yeah. Um, how do I find home? Yeah. Um, where do I belong? Yeah. Do I belong anywhere? Do I belong in two places at once? Um, so, but, you know, deeply, what is, uh, how do I come home to myself? Yeah, that's certainly part of what I'm looking at. I, um, I interviewed a guy recently, his name's James McRae. He has a very popular Instagram called Words Are Vibrations. He does lots of memes and stuff. One of the funny memes that he's put, he's like, I'm a homesick alien. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 And homesickness yeah there's memoirs who write about homesickness and also dreams of home like i for years i dreamed of a um white washed cottage on the top of a hillside looking out to the water in ireland because my my background is irish american and when I went to Ireland in, I guess it was 1980, I went looking for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My daughter and a friend and I went looking for it. And I think we found it. I think that we found this abandoned old cottage <laughs> somewhere um, uh, near, well, in, in, in the West Coast. But... Um, I think that dream of home really called to me for years. Mm. And I hear about those dreams of home all the time, both in therapy and in people's writing. Mm. I could talk to you all day, uh, but I want to be super conscious and respectful of your time. I have a phrase here, uh, always better than yesterday. It's called heartprint. And the word heartprint is a word that describes the legacy that we leave behind um, through our words, through our actions, through our interactions. What do you think your heart print is? What do you think the legacy of, of your work and your creation and, and your essence and your being is? That's a lovely question. Um, I, I think my legacy will be uh, having spoken a journey for women. Um, written a journey for women that gives them a sense uh, of not having been on this journey alone, but that it's a collective journey. 
and that we have value. Yeah. What do you think becomes possible for women once they integrate the masculine and the feminine, once they go through the journey, what now becomes possible for them? I hope uh, a, a sense of, of healing, a sense yeah. of grace, mm. uh, a sense of satisfaction about, uh, you know, having been on this earth yeah. and been in, in relationship mm. um, with, with others and with the earth and with themselves mm, instead of always striving. Yeah, a deep sense of satisfaction that maybe the things of this world can't provide. Right, yeah, and a sense of grace Yeah, and that. gratitude. <laughs> I love that. Maureen, when is uh, your book likely to, to come out and, and where can they find out? Uh, where can our listeners find more about uh, the great work that you do in the world? Oh, thank you. Uh, well, The Heroine's Journey uh, is, was published by Shambhala. So certainly Shambhala, Amazon, uh, and uh, Memoirist as Contemporary Mythmaker will come out in 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, by, and Shambhala is the publisher. So, so thank you for the plug. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I hope we get to have another conversation again in future. I've, I've really loved our time together. And I'd just be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. Well, uh, my final thought is I'm, I'm so grateful that you're the father of a seven-year-old girl. And I think she's just so lucky. I can, I can tell that you're a very heart-centered dad. So uh, I'm grateful to you for this next generation of women. Oh. That's very kind of you to say so. I, I, I'm equally a flawed human being. I'm fully aware of that. But uh, I, I definitely have a heart to strive to be the best that I can be for, for that little girl and for her big brother as well. So thank you for those kind affirming words. I, I take them to heart. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. you for this time. I've really appreciated it. Thank you, Maureen. Take care. Namaste. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.